Hey, Chad. Hey, Cameron. It's Opinions Are Cheap with Cameron and Chad, and I want to ask you a question. Yeah, let's do it. Do you remember a couple months ago now, we are talking about like getting you more, uh, more exercise and exposure to doing like improv and acting? Yeah, yeah, the yes and. So... Instead of following up on that and doing that, I'm going to talk about things I find interesting. Okay. I don't know. What's new with you? I, I want I want everyone uh, around me this week to assume their multi-armed, multi-armed form like the, the god in, in, in Hinduism because the world's going to end, but also just so they can have four hands to kill themselves with instead of two. I've been really frustrated this week, Cameron. Uh, I've been having a bit of a week myself. That joke also sounded way better when I thought it like an hour ago and I was like, I'm clever. And then I, and then I like fumbled through it with my stupid sputtery little mouth. Oh, what did I say the other day? Um, this is in my Warcraft guild. So I bet it's right here. If I scroll up. I have been trying to yes and things more though in my daily life. Like if oh, someone throws sure. something at me to try and you know keep me off guard or whatever, I am trying to like directly lean into it, um, or play a hand that shuts it down really fast, which I did today at work. Uh, someone was was trying to give me sass. We had, we, we had hams and turkeys at work. I I think a lot of businesses probably do that around this time of year. Yeah. Um. But someone's like, oh, I bet this is the only work you did today, huh? And I was like, no, I put some real work into the toilet about 10 minutes ago. It smells bad. And uh, Perfect. Uh, there's like a bunch of people around that were not expecting that at all. And it, it, half of them laughed really hard. But I, I kind of said it in like, I'm, such a, I'm so fucking fed up with this place. I want to leave right now and might like kind of tone of voice that it was it, it was really awkward. But you know what? I got my I got my ham. Yeah, I think I joked about suicide like three times today, and I realized, well, that's like a pattern. I should, I should stop going there. It's maybe too, too many. I, I definitely like think about if I'm having a really bad day and I like all of a sudden crack a joke about how I want to kill myself. I'm like, OK, that's the one I get today. Yeah, it's just I, <laughs> if it, I do it again. I, I have the same problem with coffee where it's like, you know, if I count and I only have one, it's fine. But if I don't count, I end up like way overdoing it. Um, okay. Yeah, here. On, on bad days, I will, I will smash that coffee. So, okay, so this is in the Discord, and our GM said uh, that he was, he was kind of frustrated because he woke up at six thirty, and um, he was kind of complaining about his uh, rough morning. And I was just like, th- that that particular morning, I also wasn't feeling that great, but I woke up a lot earlier than that. And so he he talks about how like he had to clean up dishes or something in the kitchen. And then I just wrote, uh, I woke up at 4.15. The chill in the air reminded me of her again, like everything does. The darkness outside veiled the red leaves from me, a small mercy until the sun rises and I face the same day again. For a moment, I could breathe the bittersweet quiet and let it fill my lungs with an optimism that today would be different. All until the reality of the world awoke as well, and we continue our rehearsed surprises and calculated accidents. But also I had to pee because I drank a lot last night. Is that from something? No, I wrote that this morning when I was frustrated. Okay. That that sounded like like a proper monologue from 
I don't know, an HBO TV show or like a book or something. Like the way you started that, I was like, this sounds really familiar. Yeah, I was channeling and I something <laughs> and I let my fingers just carry you know, it. That that it's I'm sorry you were frustrated first, but it is it is kind of great when you can channel something and your fingers just do all the work for you and you're like, I'm good at writing. Why can't all the writing sessions be this good where I didn't have to do any work? Man, yeah. <laughs> But the point is, you have that frustration, and then you have an outlet for it. And so I'm glad that you've been practicing your yes and, because it's a very good tool. The more you exercise it, the easier you can get out of things, and you can uh, control the situation. Yeah, I my, my concern is that I'm going to get too instinctive with it, and then... Uh, say things I shouldn't in front of people who, like, dictate my, my paycheck. <laughs> well, I mean, that is why you uh, you exercise it, though. Because part of, you know, part of that is the restraint as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, One of the things I've been doing this week, Cameron, is I've been formatting my next uh, short story collection into, like, a, a proper book so I can throw it on Amazon. And I had this really lofty goal... When I started, I was like, I'm going to film this whole process. I'm going to make like a tutorial video because I uh, I use the, some of the software a little differently than the other tutorial videos I've seen. And maybe it'll be a good way to, you know, uh, advertise that I've released a product. And I'm regretting that because talking and doing at the same time is really hard. I don't understand how Twitch streamers do it. Like they, that is a muscle and a skill set. I, I don't really respect Twitch streamers in a lot of ways, but the fact that they can like play games or paint or do whatever and then also hold these like really coherent conversations with people or explain what they're doing and not stutter and stumble is it does kind of blow my mind every time I have to try and do it myself because I suck at it. Yeah. And then there's the whole the T talking the program sometimes. not. Yeah, and then and then there's the whole like the program not uh, cooperating the way I thought it would. So I'm like, and then you type in this code, and it'll actually do this for every heading, and it'll be great. And then it doesn't work. I'm like, well, why the fuck did this, did this not work? It worked last time I did this. And I had to have Joe come help me at one point because I don't actually know how to code. And uh, I was like, Joe, why isn't this working? And he showed me. So I'm like, okay, do I start the video over and continue to do this, or do I just scrap the idea entirely? I don't know yet. I wish I had, like, helpful advice, but I actually don't yeah, right now. It's okay. I'm just venting. Like, this, it's just been one of the things in my in my week that has been frustrating. Um, because I've, I've set, like, deadlines for when I want some of this stuff done. And I'm largely, like, on track. You know, things are going well. But I got home from work yesterday and then, like, worked on book editing, um, formatting stuff for, like, almost two hours. And I'm like, oh, man. I am ornery now. I really didn't want to. I really wanted to take a nap. Would I think? I, I think I should have done that instead. But I want to get this done, and I want it out at you know the first week of December. It means I gotta, I gotta commit the hours, and it it it's not very fun. There's like, writing is a shitty hobby. Like parts <laughs> of it are fun, but there's so much of it that isn't fun. Editing kind of sucks. The, any part of selling your stuff sucks. Query letters suck. I gotta write like a back of book blurb for the short story collection. I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna put there. That sucks. Learning HTML sucks. No one should have to do that. Like, 
I don't know. I don't know why I do this to myself sometimes. It doesn't even make me feel good half the time. Yeah. So last week we talked about BlizzCon. Uh, yeah. But part of that was I wanted to collect my thoughts and do a video about BlizzCon too. Yeah. And how's I, that going? I, well, I mean, it's going, but it's been going much slower than I feel like it should be. And that's been similarly frustrating. And yep. there's definitely an art to editing video. And I, I feel like I can do shorts real well. I can do like goofy little bits. I love having like a gag and then building something around the gag and like just doing it real quick. But this is me talking for 20 minutes and I don't have that much visuals aid. It's basically like halfway through the video, it turns into just a podcast of me like describing things. Sure. And so I can kind of just like play the trailer again while I talk about it. But like I talk about it for twice the length of the trailer. So how do you pad that out right? And that's so, a good question. <laughs> you know, I, I, I know how to do it. It's just that it's been more work than normal. Um, I, I kind of wish it, it's funny too. being slightly more busy right now. Like I, I have a, a couple other commitments so it's like after work, I want to work on this thing. Oh, but I have to help the guys with the uh, guild run on Warcraft. So, okay, I'll just I'll do that. Maybe I'll edit after, but it runs late and I have to go to bed. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, today we record the podcast after work. Um, uh, We had a a thing. Oh, did I tell you about Pathfinder? I don't think so. So a friend invited me to join a Pathfinder game. And it's like yeah i mean yeah i think i think i've said before like i'd never play a tabletop rpg again but it's like i'm kind of getting over that and it's like why not why you know maybe i should just try it but then i spent so much time working on my character <laughs> like you know making a character and we're playing this stuff out and getting ready and it's like even though it's only mondays that also basically takes up my monday yeah and it's just very funny how quickly like things kind of disappear. Like th this coming weekend, I'm basically going to focus on the video and get it done before Monday because otherwise it just won't happen in time for it to be basically relevant. Like it, this is like a, yeah. a couple weeks late at this point. I know Um, as to your complaint about like footage versus audio time, that is when I do training videos at work, that is the big uh, balance I have. And when I, you know, scripting things out with uh, team leads or whoever wants the video it's like how can we make this shorter not because i'm lazy but because the longer it is the more footage we have to film which takes time and then i gotta edit it and i gotta color correct it and all that stuff like it really adds up and uh so sometimes someone will be like oh this video this will be really easy and then like, they give me like a four minute script and it's like i mean technically it's easy but i have to you know every six seconds i want a new cut because otherwise you're bored. Unless I'm doing like camera shit, I don't know how to do. And so that's a lot of clips. Um, I don't have like actual advice for you. I just know that like, no, that is the struggle and the pain. And then as we approach the end of the year and everyone's got the goals they wanted to get done, people are like, hey, we need to film two videos yet this year. When can we schedule that? And it's like, uh, next next year, March is when I'm free for more videos. I'm I got a backlog. Like, no, 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 it'll be really easy. It's only our two most difficult pieces of equipment to run. And it's like, yeah, March of next year. I think you put it best, though. It's like, why do I do this to myself? Yeah. Because also, like, I, I've been working on this uh, BlizzCon script, 
and I think twice now, Herc has like reached out to me and said, "Oh, we I have another idea for the podcast." And so it's like we we're like three episodes behind on that because he has stuff he wants to talk about, and it's like. It, it it's like it's very fun to do these things but also like it it is time and you just got to balance it all it's really it's emotional investment too um and that that's almost the more exhausting thing especially when like you're like i'm almost done oh man it didn't work like with some of the html stuff or oh i finally figured out the software i could actually do this right i, I have to delete 40 minutes of footage and talking which i would have cut down to like eight minutes or less to be fair but it's like oh shit that was a lot of time i spent trying to do this a certain way so i could turn it into a different type of content that i gotta just scrap and like that sucks that hurts my soul a little i'm gonna be formatting the paperback next which i've never done in the new word processor i'm using I have no idea if that's going to be a shit show. I'm kind of scared. <laughs> but it has to be done. Go. I think uh, this is why... Go to ChatGPT and say, ChatGPT, kill me. <laughs> I, think, I think this is why, though, that there are so many people that talk about making art and then never do. They talk about <laughs> making projects... They they're like I'm gonna do a really great Left for Dead campaign and then they design the poster and they don't they don't touch the level editor. Um, I think I think I've talked about the furry slam group that I'm kind of trying to I'm kind of part of on this. I don't know if I've done it on the show, but I think I've told you off the show where um, it, Mark my my vocal coach, a couple of his students like I made a joke we should start a furry slam band and, and it's jokey and it's about dumb furry sex stuff. And two people like that idea enough to maybe want to do it. One of them is a guitarist. Uh, and so we got a small little conversation on Discord going back and forth and uh, maybe some riffs to play with. And, and Julia's trying to program some drums. And at one point I had to tell them to stop planning the music video. We don't have a song. Or like, no, we shouldn't write vocal melodies. We don't have things to put over them. Uh, and this genre of music is not about vocal melody, so really we shouldn't start there. That that's soup that it's not it's not conducive to slam. And uh now that maybe we got a couple building blocks, it's like, okay, cool, we can kinda work on this project now. Um, but we actually gotta do it. Like the you know, the, the next hurdle now that we have step one done is to do step two. And getting to step one was weirdly more difficult than I thought. So we'll see how that goes. But I think they would rather talk about making this band than, than probably do it. Which is fair, because talking's a lot easier. And that's an old saying, isn't it? Like, it's it's more fun to plan the party than to host it. Yep, yep. It, it, I mean, yeah, we're not really breaking new ground here. No, I'm just tired inventing, which I don't know if it's fun to listen to. But well, I that mean, is the... Uh, we, can, we can keep venting. Or I can uh, autistically ramble about my new, uh, uh, what is it, micro fixation, super fixation. You have one? I well, no, it's just uh, it's been interesting reading up on all this like Pathfinder lore, and I'm curious. I what don't know you anything know about, about Pathfinder. It. I know nothing. Well, tell me about Pathfinder. So I'm gonna get the history a little bit wrong, but the gist of it is uh, there used to be a game called Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that one. So that was kind of popular, but they wanted to expand on it more. And the the one guy that made it 
um, wanted more math and the other guy that made it kind of wanted more uh, like role play and adventure parts. And so they, they basically, it wasn't really a sequel. It was just called advanced Dungeons and dragons. And in okay. hindsight, we call that 2.0, but that's basically like advanced Dungeons and dragons is basically what you think of when you think of like nerds playing D and D there was like too much math and there was like too much detail. Uh, if you're super nerdy, it was fun to think about. Again, going back to the planning more than the gaming. Sure. So eventually, as that got more popular as well, it led to the third edition of D&D, which was kind of a much more market accessible version. Still nerdy, still heavy on numbers, but not as heavy. And just a little more accessible to get started. And then it can get complicated if you want it to. And as that was kind of the popular, like, that was the good version of the game. I think this other company that might have been people that used to work on D&D started making these little, like, add-on, like, adventures. And so it's like, you buy the D&D books, but you can also buy these, like, Pathfinder quests. And here's this campaign, and here's this other campaign. And eventually they just kind of splintered off and said, we're going to make our own game. Uh, you know, like Wizard of the Coast kind of wants to do their own thing. We want to do something else instead of like adapting the rules. Why don't we just have our own rules and do it our way? So it's really, it's got this ancestry of D&D. You think about the Tolkien-esque generic fantasy. There's trolls and orcs and humans, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, oh boy. So yada 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 over the years, it, it kind of uh, I, I mean like I complain about D and D a lot on this show. I think in a way Pathfinder is the version of the game that's like for people like me that are bitter about D and D. Like I, okay. I know there are Pathfinder fans, <laughs> but I feel like uh, some people that play Pathfinder are just angry that Wizards of the Coast is a shitty company, and they like settle for the other one more or less sure uh it's yeah it's it's kind of funny how like the other thing too like i was talking to people in uh, my warcraft guild like hey does anyone here play pathfinder almost nobody's heard of it before and i realized like oh wait a minute like stranger things and rick and morty hasn't ruined this yet this isn't a boutique item where you can go get a pathfinder shirt at hot topic it's still right. like it's basically like the version of D that i wish was still around and so I, I get that mentality of the um the the refugees, quote unquote. So I just kind of found that very funny. Yeah. So I mean like does it have and maybe you uh, maybe I spaced out when you said this, but like is uh how is the combat treated? Because I know what is it is it more role play? Is it more combat focused? Does it matter? Is it really just like D D with a different name and a slightly augmented set of rules then? It is largely just D&D. Like, because you've okay. played some D&D before, you could probably start playing Pathfinder tomorrow. Okay. Uh, there's I've, I've seen people, like, I've, I, I'm trying to get ready for this game. I want to familiarize myself with it enough that I don't, like, hold up the group. Because I'm, uh, I'm not the only new person, but there's a few veterans, too. So I'm trying to, like, pick a basic class, so I just pick the rogue... Because you just sneak and stab, and you don't like have to memorize spells and stuff. 
Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm doing that kind of stuff. But I'm also watching these videos of people talking about, like, oh, here's what the new things in second edition. Here's this. Here's this. Here's they're changing that. One of the things that I've heard more than once is that the combat is much better in Pathfinder. And the reason they say that is the uh, the economy of choices are different. Because I don't know how much you remember of D&D, and this is more of like a subtle nuance thing. But basically you get like a movement action, and then a main action, and then like a sub action, right? Yeah. So like you get one attack per turn, you get one move per turn, uh, you can like drink a potion if you need it. The way that Pathfinder works is that you get three actions per turn, but some things take more than one action point. Oh, interesting. So, so like, theoretically, you could just, like, swing your axe three times. Um, I believe there's, like... I kind of like that. Yeah, I, I think there's, like, technically, like, a... There's, like, a slight um, disadvantage to consecutive attacks. Like, you maybe get, like, a minus one and a minus two. If you do that, but technically you could just do that and just like stand there and swing your axe back and forth. Um, or you can really like you can sprint, you know, you spend all three on just running and trying to get around something because that's the most it's your top priority. You're just desperate. You're like running for the artifact before the villain gets it. And it's like that kind of allows for more flexibility in some of these like cinematic sequences, you know, because I could picture a barbarian holding back the, the horde. And then the rogue's just trying to, like, run across the room to turn off the trap that's going to kill everybody. And it's like, okay, this plays yeah. out a little more smooth. I like the idea of, of basically you can you can literally be, like, frustrated and just... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swing my axe three times because I'm mad at this thing. Or, like, you know, you don't have to... The, the way the choices work sounds like you can do a lot more with the same amount of parts, basically, which I think is kind of cool. And I think it's kind of smart. And I mean, this is like a weird little detail. <laughs> so it's it's funny. Like, I feel like if someone casually played D&D, they may not even realize that it's a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I probably wouldn't have noticed because it's been so long since we played D&D that I've been like, oh, yeah, this is just like D&D. Like you said, it is a, it is a, a nuanced uh, decision. I think also another thing is um, the setting is, I, I want to say, a little more concrete. Like, there is kind of a canon world. Uh, I, I'm sure that you can, like, homebrew something and no one would complain. But, like, for the game that we're playing, it's it just takes place in a little town. But also our, our uh, GM gave us this map. It's like a world map. And he's like, you guys can use this to, like, write in your character's background or where you're from or something, if that's important. And it's like, oh, this is kind of cool just seeing an actual, like, complete map of the world. Yeah, I like that, too. The, the, the sense of scale. And then, like, it's, if you're like, oh, I'm from way over here and I'm over here, like, oh, that's a cool story. How did you get there? Like, um, I don't know when we played, I feel like we didn't really put that kind of thought into our characters. Like, where they actually came from, it was sort of a little more ramshackled, which was fun for the game we played. But I can see the... People that really like to role play, you know, having a much wider canvas to to work with. Yeah, it's also like the game that we were playing was very much based on improv. Like, I I quote unquote had like a fog of war of the map 
so that, like as you guys traveled north you would discover something but mechanically that was me drawing it in and naming it once you got there yeah uh so it's it, you know it's a different kind of thing uh the classes are gonna be very familiar you know there's like wizards and monks and all that jazz but there's a couple of interesting ones uh particularly like flavor of the month right now i guess is the witch where's that there it is uh yeah so witch so what's neat with the witch is that it's very much like a wizard but you have this focus of a familiar oh wizard with a pet yeah and so your pet it's not just like a combat pet like a druid has like a an attack boar or something with them it's like you have like a raven and you can you can get like raven powers from it or you can also like cast a spell on the raven and it like is basically like a radar dish that uh oh so like the the really overpowered one right now is like there's this hex spell you can do where if you focus it on the raven then everything that's like within range of the raven like all enemies and only enemies are slowed down so they're all like half speed for as long as the raven's around them and so you can just be like channeling that in the back line while like your barbarian charges and like takes everybody out one by one. And it's this very cool class synergy. I like and that. It's, like, that. That does sound cool. Yeah, that stuff is fun. Um, there is this other one. This seems unpopular, but there's an alchemist. And the alchemist, you like you make your own potions and bombs and stuff. And so you can focus on being a healer. Or the damage. But it's funny because, like, some people say that it's not actually that great. But then I've, I was watching this guide today, and the guy was saying, like, no, no, you're playing it wrong. What you do is you make the bombs, but then give them to somebody that's more athletic than you, and they can throw it better. Oh. So you're, you're supplying the party. So, like, make some health potions and make a whole, like, shit ton of bombs. Because, like, at higher levels, you get, like, unreal return on how many bombs you can produce in a day. And it's like, dude, just just equip your uh, ranger with all these explosives, and he'll kill everything for you. And it's kind That'd of like a, a really fun, fun... role playing teamwork thing. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I would love to be like a crack addled alchemist, and I'm just, you know, you're like, I snorted a bunch of stuff. I'm gonna make bombs. I don't know what kind, and just, just kind of, you know, hey DM, could I have a randomness element to this, where maybe some of these are dangerous because my character is addicted to drugs, and I think that would be really fun to to play. Yeah, I, I think there's potential there if you want to have that kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, the other one that stood out to me, the in yeah investigator. Now I'm trying to figure mm. out like what is investigator. Like when I first saw that, it's like what what kind of class would that be? But then I was thinking about it, and it's like you know, like a detective main character isn't unheard of. I kind of like the idea. I mean, I've written a detective before, and that was kind of a shit post uh, story a little bit, but. There, there's something like the skill set is really different than any other kind of class you're going to have because most detectives are not like crazy athletic. They're not um, the most accurate shot, the most accurate, you know, whatever. They're not like the police officer. Uh, they're a step down, but then they're, they're smarter, right? Like, you know, Sherlock Holmes kind of stuff. So you, you're, you get to look at the world differently. And I think having a detective in a magic setting, which uh, someone in my writer's group actually wrote that a bit ago, and that was cool. 
Like as a proof of concept, I I I think if he took that story, he could do something really fun with it with a bit more words. Um, but I, I like yeah the idea of like having like a Sherlock Holmes, but in a magic realm with a witch and wizards and all that stuff would be really fun. Someone explained it to me. It's kind of like picture how the bard will like buff the whole party and can like it's so charismatic you can talk your way out of any problem. That's the extrovert. An investigator is an introvert. You you can walk in a room and assess every single threat, which basically reduces how big of a threat they are. And then you can just straight up, like, the, the, apparently there's some really broken rules where you can just, like, roll correctly and just at, demand that the DM tell you what the secret is. Oh, wow, that's because fun. Because it's like, you, you know, your character assesses, wait a minute, I see some scratch marks here. I bet this column actually slides to the left. So we solve the puzzle. We can just push this and we'll like brute force the door open. And it like, sol- you know, it saves the whole party all this time uh, weighing sand or whatever the stupid puzzle was. I like that. It's interesting. It's another it- really good vessel for <laughs> role play. Yeah, it, it's different. I, I hear that the combat is better in Pathfinder, but the more I look into some of the stuff, the potential for role play is really out there. Um. Now I the suppose, oh yeah, to be fair to D and D, like if you had a DM and you're like, "Hey, I want to play a detective," will you let me? Most of them would probably be like, "Sure, I'll have to, you know do a little research. We'll figure out what kind of character class it is uh, on the paper end, so I can let you roll dice for certain things." But there is a lot of flexibility in D and D. It's just a matter of like extra work to put in uh, on the the guy babysitting the party. Yeah, and also, like, a D&D detective, I think, would be very fun, and I think if someone wanted to do that, it would probably work out. But having, like, a a list of actual abilities and the level-up track that's already balanced makes it a little better for everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting. Um, But yeah, so the classes are all very familiar. I said also that the races are familiar, but there's also a lot more and honestly like pathfinder is a haven for furries because there are so many like weird animal beast races oh man i gotta click here for more details on a lot of these i was hoping for a lot of pictures um there's a lot of these there's like three different kinds of robot cat folk yeah there's cat folk much like the star trek cat folk um the the gnolls look a little furry-esque yeah i always oh, feel like there's little ro- freaking frogs oh yeah the frogs did you see the uh the leshy there's like plant people and if you hover over the details thing you see some pictures and there's like a fat like there's a tubby little cactus man oh man the, okay leshy that that is cute um the, yeah the the frog guys are adorable hey some snake people the snake people are cool. You get options. There's like rhino people. Oh, I like all the rat folk. Um, the one, the one of the pictures is just like a regal little rat lady in a nice dress with a fan. Yeah, they're like fancy rats. I like the weird like puppet people that were the like constructs. Got some spider people. Spider people sounds fun. Yeah, there's a lot of automation stuff too, or a ton of. A t- Automaton, 
There's yeah, there's Fuck automaton, there's androids, there's like cursed statues. I feel like I've never written a story about a cursed statue, and I feel like that would be up my alley. That kind of sounds fun. I want I want you to watch a couple Star Trek episodes about um like holograms coming to life. Because I feel like I feel like some of them don't age well and some of them do. As we approach this like weird AI time. Like, oh, there's just skeleton. Yeah, you just straight up skeleton, and then right next to it is like these like pixies. Like the lowest form of undead. It's like, oh that's that's a mean thing to say. I, just because it says that, I would want to roleplay a skeleton. I want, I want to be the lowest form of undead, and I, I want to be an alcoholic, but I keep drinking, and it just falls through my ribs and gets all over the floor. Dude, I love the artwork um, on that like skeleton wizard where he has gems put in his eye sockets. Yeah, like some of this art is really great. It's very charming, but it also like inspires you to think about the characters. Um, what was the one? There's like some of these are really high concept. Like I, I showed you the cute like cactus people. And that's fun. But there's the Konrasu. And Konrasu are like basically the shards of like alien that crash landed. They're like alien artifacts that plants grew over. And so they're semi-sentient plants with like an alien like technology core for a brain. Oh, wow. And the concept art, like the, the picture here, one of them is like basically it's just like a torso... With like eight arms that are all just tree branches that are like coiling around itself. And then the other one is just like one giant arm holding the core with like little spindly roots under it. And it's like, what what is this? Like it's so out there. It's cool too, like I, I think of looks I've I've I'm in the middle of a Lord of the Rings reread, and I know a lot of modern fantasy, like you don't have to go very far to find hints of, of Tolkien. Tolkien and I'm trying to figure out like you know how how does this relate to Lord of the Rings you know what are the what are the few <laughs> steps and it's like well you got tr- you got tree people we we had that um a giant eye on a pillar you know that's kind of like a, a you know construct thing a bit you know there's but it's a few steps removed from just like orcs and dwarves and and uh regular wizards like it it is cool to see the way fantasy has continued to move on from lord of the rings like you know we, we we still got elves but hey now we got like bird people well they got eagles in lord of the rings they were kind of like bird people they were just shaped like eagles but it's a little different god damn it here's another one did you see the goloma oh it should probably go up how do alphabet work what's it called goloma oh it's got a g there it is. Golomas fear most other people and deliberately use their unusual biology to frighten off those who they consider to be dangerous predators. Uh, they rarely seen and poorly understood. They got many eyes, wooden faces, and they're scary looking. They're um they're pretty cool. They kind of look like werewolves, but with like Halo-esque faces. Like like the 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 elites from Halo. Yeah. They're they're very like alien in appearance. Like it's it's kind of like a horse minotaur, but with a halo alien head and then werewolf claws. Yeah. Um yeah, it's like 
what's interesting about them is that they're basically scary looking, but they have this like innate fear of anything that has only two eyes where it just like they, there's something about their psychology that they're born with where it, it makes them feel like anything with two eyes is a predator that will kill them. And so they just, yeah. And so like, if they have to interact with like the rest of the world, they basically they're always defensive and so they're either like they keep to hiding or they're like overly like aggressive and try to be scary to keep people away even though they don't Which actually sure works yeah well yeah very well <laughs> people stay away because they're scary um yeah. and so it's just it, what's funny is that parts of this are kind of relatable because it's kind of like a natural selection thing where like different animals have different defense mechanisms uh, but there's also a psychology thing where I think like everybody understands like overcompensating for a perceived uh, shortcoming. Yeah. And so building a character around it, you know, um, yeah. So like one of the players in the group wants to pick this guy because it just well that looks kind of cool. He said it looks like a xenomorph, but like just like a fantasy xenomorph. Kinda. And so he was like, you know what? That's what that's what my uh, my profile my art will be. Where'd I go? And we're all like, we're trying to make our characters in um, the Bing AI. And he's like, okay, I just want a xenomorph with a bunch of googly eyes. Um, and after <laughs> after we finished making our characters, the GM noticed that he picked languages, but he didn't pick common, so no one else in the party will understand him. Oh, that's great. Um, and so we're trying to figure out, well, what can we do? And then we realize, oh, wait, this guy understands Draconic, so you two could speak Draconic. So, like, you could just relay to the one guy and tell everyone else. And it's, like, the, it's basically the one guy that's, like, the class clown and is the least trustworthy. And oh, he's also, fun. he's also playing a goblin gunslinger who's, like, basically a mobster. Also fun. So it's like, oh, wait, it, it's kind of fun to think that maybe he's like the bodyguard for this, like, for this goblin. And we have to take the goblin's word for it whenever he says something. And that became a funny uh, concept. So we're going to just, instead of fixing the language error, we're just going to, like, lean into it. So now his character okay. is basically a xenomorph warrior, but with uh, English to Spanish dictionary that he tries to read sometimes. That's great. I love that a lot. <laughs> I I still like... Uh, th- I, it's funny, like, I'll be on Facebook or whatever, and I'll find a clip that somebody like, my D&D campaign tried this. And it'll be the most off-the-wall fantasy horseshit ever. And I'll be like, I want to put that in a book. I want, like, I want to hinge an entire story on that idea, because it's good. <laughs> it's a good hook. And I, like... Like, what you're doing right now, Goblin Gunslinger with, like, a weird alien that ha- has a dictionary. Um, like, that, it's so fun. Like, there's... I don't know if you could do, like, high-end literature with that concept, but you could write a really fun action-adventure story. And I appreciate that. I still I still want to go back to my Gnome Warlock from our D&D campaign, because I think his shtick is, is really funny to me. With, like, painting pictures for his patron demon... Um, and then he's an alcoholic because he's depressed and he's actually not a very good warlock. You know, there's there's just like the, it's weird traits to work with that I've never really seen in a fantasy thing before. And I don't know if like a proper fantasy writer is going to pose them as as actual good things to write a story about because they're stupid and silly. 
But it's like, yeah, but man, you, you peel away the silly a little bit and you kind of have an interesting relationship here. Um, I don't know. Any, anything can probably be a story if you try hard enough, which is really dangerous way to live uh, if you're a writer. Because <laughs> never have a shortage. Uh, but yeah, it, going through these, it's like impossible to choose one. There's so many fun options here. It's got to be difficult, though. I know, like, like when when we 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 did ours, Joe was a, a tiefling um, paladin, which on the surface is already kind of weird. But I don't think I, he knew what a tiefling looked like until I, I think after he still doesn't. <laughs> like, I, I think we tried getting him to play like Baldur's Gate, and he still like didn't understand what a tiefling really was. So, I I, I guess there's a certain level of like commitment people need to have to. Oh, I'm gonna play a character that can't talk to most of the party. Like that's. Funny in concept, but you know when you're on uh, your fourth game here, and you're like five hours in, and and this person still got to translate everything. Like I think it might get old, and so yeah. I, you know I um, hope this guy's got the fortitude to keep it up. So the the um, what's the word? The compromise is I'm pretty sure that by the time he reaches level two, he's allowed to like train in a new language. Okay. So this might be like a fun way to introduce the character and we'll like have a little adventure together. But then like it basically we're what we're doing is we're going to do like the starter adventure from the like the core book, which okay. I guess only goes from like one to two. There's like it's like three chapters or something. And the, the GM basically asks that we commit to this. And then when we're done with this, we'll see how everyone feels and maybe we'll play more. Or maybe we will play a different game. So either this will be a fun like one-off, or it'll be the start of something bigger. Either way, I, I think, think those are good, good outcomes. To, yeah, yeah, that's a good way to approach it. Because then there's there's not any like uh, stress over that first game. Hopefully, um, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I think um, also like I think Pathfinder is uh, if you take the rules literally. It's a little harder, like it, it, things are a little more lethal. So if anybody gets a little too goofy about it, like who knows, we might have like a party wipe at level two and it won't even matter. Yeah, that's true. Some some DMs are, are a lot more ruthless than others with stuff like that. Uh, it really kind of probably depends on the, the people you're playing with. Like I know my vocal coach, um, he's DM'd stuff and he's definitely like, we're going to take this seriously, at least to a point. And so he's like, I'll let you make any bad decision you want, but, you know, if it's really bad, you might be rolling a new character. And uh, I, I was like, oh, I would not want to play D&D &D with you then, because that sounds miserable. <laughs> I, I prefer, like, the, the sitcom-esque horse shit. I, yeah, I think, I think that game that I was running was, like, every week we had at least one poor decision. Yeah, and you, uh, you, you were a trooper. <laughs> I'm trying to see what else there is, really. I, so, I mean, like, basically, I'm discovering Pathfinder. I've been aware of it for a long time, but I've never actually, like, read rules. And it's been very fun reading the rules and going, oh, this is a good idea. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, oh, you know what? We are at <laughs> but, 50 oh, yeah? minutes. Um, unless, oh, no, you got a, you got a, you, what, you got another idea for us. Well, I got, I got a short one. Um, the other thing I've been reading up on is the uh, Star Trek tabletop game. It came out a few years ago, and I feel like nobody really talked about it much. But apparently the company that publishes it, they have been doing a 
like ton of expansions. Like there's a bunch of supplemental books and apparently a lot of the supplementals actually like did a lot of good favors for the game because the people that are into it now are like actually very happy with it. Oh, cool. Um, and what's interesting is it also comes with, uh, there's a new book coming out that's basically a single player campaign and it's a twist on the rules where it lets you just sort of like entertain yourself with dice rolls. And it's like it still uses the mechanics of the game, but there's just kind of a structure for how it walks you through a narrative. And it's like, that seems weird, but then it's getting good reviews from the people that have like gotten their hands on it early. And I'm very curious about that. Um, but, you know, similarly, I'm looking into what, you know, how does the game work? How, you know, what are the options there? And I guess one of the books, it literally has uh, stats for, um, those aliens that only talk in story form. Oh. I don't know. Are you familiar with that episode of Star Trek? I want to say yes, because you said that, and it, I definitely, like, know it what you're talking something. about. <laughs> so, yeah, so, like, the the episode was, like, they had this, like, diplomatic meeting, but it's like, no, the, the translator doesn't work on them, and no one can understand what they're saying. And so Picard gets, like, stranded on a planet with the other captain, and the other captain is like, uh, is like you know, um, uh, you know, Gagra when the walls fell, and it's like wh- I don't know what you mean. Like what what does that mean? And uh, Telerak at the meeting, and like what are you talking about? And he just figured out that like they they communicate through like the feelings that you get in referencing things. So like when Gagra was at the walls when it fell, it's like well that was a failure. And he's communicating something bad happened. And it's like they don't have proper sentence structure to communicate that. They can only reference things that already happened. And so there's rules in one of these books to not only play as one of those, but also like how their sentence structure works and example sentences. So you can like commit to that. And it's like that sounds very funny, (laughs) but similarly, like maybe for a maximum amount of time. Yeah. Until it's not. <laughs> I want to meet the one uh, that was raised on like internet videos and something bad happens and he's just like two girls, one cup. I Well, yeah, you know, it's it's funny because it, it, you're very right. It's like basically what they're doing is they're communicating via mimetic knowledge. Yeah. And so, yeah, if that if that was us now, then it's it's always kind of like, you know. They they did this bit on Red Letter Media, but it's like you know, oh Picard with a palm on head. Um, Michael Jackson eats popcorn. <laughs> but see, you understood that. Like <laughs> that's the funny part. Yeah. <laughs> you could just like yeah communicate in SpongeBob episodes, just like that time SpongeBob did this. You know. Oh man, dude. Uh. SpongeBob would pretty much be a whole dialect. It really for those could people. be, or like The Simpsons. I I I speak in The Simpsons. I'm always like quoting Simpsons like daily. I'm not. I'm I'm definitely more of a SpongeBob person. But like that, yeah, that I could see that being really fun to do. But like you said, uh, for a limited amount of time. I don't know if I'd want to be on on Game Seven and and still have to do that. I, I get an email from my boss and I say, Ralph knows on bus that he is in danger. 
I do like that one. But yeah, so I, I mean, like I, I think tabletop games are fun, like especially in concept. So it's fun, like learning about new ones. But I really yeah. love when somebody comes up with like an interesting new uh, idea for like a, a role play potential, like a, a new kind of story that hasn't really been told yet. I know there are, I, I've never read one, but there are like books that are like called lit RPG and it's like, they're structured in a way where the characters actually have stats and level up. And I think they're like largely like a normal, like kind of fantasy book, but like, Oh, they, you know, they killed the first bad guy and then their next page actually like, and these are their new stats and then, and, and Oh, they can learn a skill. And there's a certain level of like actual RPG element to the stories. I, I guess that for a little bit they were getting popular on Amazon. I don't know if any ever actually got like traditionally published, but it is kind of interesting that people have very literally tried to take D and D and Pathfinder rules and apply them to um, narrative fiction, like what I do. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's an interesting experiment, at least. I like the interesting experiments. Actually, speaking of, that goes, um, I don't know if we want to do a glad space. Let's do a glad space. I'm, uh, I'm taking a break from reading, uh, Lord of the Rings right now, and I picked up, uh, the next Gideon the Ninth book, the Lock Tomb trilogy, or series, or whatever it is, and this one's called Nona the Ninth. And I'll be honest, I don't actually have a lot of good things to say about the book. I'm, like, 200 pages in, I don't really know what's going on, because, uh, this author likes to be just pointlessly obtuse and weird, uh, at this point, and, like... I'd say, oh, you know what? It'll all make sense on page 500. I'm just in it for the ride. But I was reading the other day. I had my cat on my lap, and she was like purring and getting ready to go to sleep. And I'm, I got the book, and it was such a, it was such a nice, nice moment. It makes me happy to have cats, and uh, I, I maybe had coffee or something. I don't know. It was just, it was one of those like, this is great. This is everything I want out of out of life at the moment, where no one is frustrating me as. Oh, wow. this is very, very nice. Very happy. That's good. That, you know, I, I know a lot of times our glad spaces are like recommendations of uh, various content. But really, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with appreciating something that you have. And those precious moments are definitely worth noting. What about you, Cam? You got anything that made you glad this week? Uh, yeah, well, actually, so my glad space is kind of uh, one of those recommendations. But uh, in researching this Star Trek game, which is Star Trek Adventures, that's the name of it. Yeah, I don't like that name. <laughs> I I feel like they could have come up with a better name, but whatever. Uh, yeah. I found this. Uh, there's a YouTube channel where he, he focuses on it. He does like tutorials. He reviews all the books. Um, it's called The Final Frontiersman. And it's interesting because, like, he doesn't have a lot of traffic. You have to seek this out. What is he at? He has, like, 500 subscribers. Um, but he does a lot of very uh, very helpful information on just, like, explaining the rules and giving you personal advice and stuff. So it's, like, I'm very glad that he does these. But what was neat was he interviewed somebody that wrote on uh, some of the books that came out recently. Uh, Al Spader. Uh, he works at Modiphius, and uh, it was a very interesting interview because they talked a little bit about the Star Trek books he worked on, but really, uh, some of the the interview turned into this like program where you can like self publish 
RPG rules under Modiphius. And then it turned into his own original thing, which is turning into its own like Modiphius product now because it's kind of got these interesting legs. And it was like it, it started with like a joke tweet where it's like people are just spitballing like, hey, what's a what's a concept for an RPG that you haven't heard of before? And he just threw out, um, like, what if, uh, what if you sent robots out to like, to terraform and colonize a planet so it's ready when people arrive, but then they gain sentience before people arrive. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, and he started playing that concept a bit more, and he ended up like writing up lore and stuff. And basically, he has this game called Sentience where you play as a robot. And at like level one, when you start the game, it's the moment that you stopped. It's it really it's the moment that you first realized that you were self aware. And they have a society, and they have rules and customs, but also like they're not humans, so they don't like have things humans do. And it's a very interesting sci fi concept. And there's interesting rules too, because there's uh there's kind of like two sets of stats. And one of them is, like, what were you programmed with? And then one of them is, like, who are you becoming? And so it's almost like you have these two characters that you're balancing. And when you make certain decisions, you can actually kind of, like, lose that individuality. And you can actually, like, revert back to a robot that just follows the AI. And you have to, like, go to, like, a rehabilitation clinic to, like, reactivate. Oh, that's kind of cute. It is. And it's very interesting because it's like they have a structure where like there are facilities where they know that this happens sometimes so they help each other and that alone implies an interesting level of uh humanity that they like have compassion for their fellow odd robots that are self-discovering and it's just it's a very interesting thing so i mean like i can recommend this video but also like if that was interesting at all look up sentience and read about it uh, I think the rule book is pay what you want on the site, which is a very uh, generous way to introduce that to people. Yeah, it's it's just um, yeah, very very interesting. So yeah, I, like sentience especially is my glad space because that's a that's a very cool RP hook. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, and to me, like I you know as a uh, someone thinking about it, like oh how would I do a, a story about that because. That would be fun to do. I feel like it'd be a lot of work. Science fiction always feels like it's way harder to do than than fantasy, and I have no idea why. But every time I have like sci-fi ideas, I'm like, shit, I'm gonna have to do homework for that. Or if I have fantasy ideas, I'm just like, all right, I better have some coffee and I'll just get started right now. Yolo it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. Um, one of the things in the lower decks book is there's a table you can roll for when a superior just gives you like a menial task to do. And it's just like a list of random uh, techno babble words. And so for the review, he's like, here, I'm just going to roll three die. Okay. Uh, your commanding officer said, um, Ensign, I need you to grab that, uh, that microcapacitor and I need you to recharge the tachyon arrays. And it's like, wait, that just kind of sounded like actual Star Trek dialogue. Like, I, it's all yeah. just stupid made-up words, but it's like, oh, this kind of works. That's hilarious. And yeah. you're saying how, like, it's it's basically, like, it's half joke, but also half you could use this in any campaign you're doing. Being able to walk that line is, like, there's a certain magic to it. 
Go really? back to that like shit post band that you know I might be part of, and we're we're still debating how we want to walk that line. And I have a feeling it'll be clumsily because there is a real artistry, behind, I think, to to being funny and shit posty, but also not. I don't know how to walk that line, so just lean into the shit posty part. Yeah, I mean that's kind of my thought process too. <laughs> I think uh, I think we're done though. Do we want to wrap up? We good? I think we're pretty good. I hope everyone out there had a less frustrating week than we did. Yeah. <laughs> but also read a book, pet a cat. Yeah, I mean honestly, read a book and pet a cat, and you will literally just feel better. <laughs> uh, you know what I love doing every morning now that it's like getting colder is just getting like a hot cup of tea. When I when oh, I go yeah. to work, I have this big box I keep all my favorite teas in. And it just I open it and it's like, well today I want Wildberry and then today oh I want Candy Cane Lane and I warm up with a tea. That helps a lot. Yeah, hot drinks on a cold day. Like I love my first cup of coffee in the morning. In part and, and, and as it gets colder, it just it gets even better. You hold your hands on the mug and it warms your hands up and you're like, Oh yeah. This is good. I love you, coffee. And I love you, listeners. Good night. Yeah. Good night. Good morning. I don't know when people listen. Thank you.